I don't think I've ever heard that first song, Show Us Christ. What a beautiful, beautiful song and what a tremendous prayer to be praying during this Advent season. Thank you, worship team. I'm going to be sharing a message with you this morning based on the verses of Luke's third chapter. Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius, the tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went out into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in and every mountain shall be made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit Good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. We're told that the word of God came to John in the wilderness. Now, that means that he was already out there. Now, I suppose you could say John was a people person because he invited people to come to him. But the fact of the matter is, I think John was kind of a loner. If you want to be real honest, I think he was an odd duck dressed the way he did, eating what he ate, <laughs> living out in the, in the wilderness on the east side of the Jordan River. The Word of God came to him, and as I picture this in my mind, I believe that at once he began to share that message that God had given him, that message of repentance, that message of preparation to receive and to believe in the Messiah. Prepare the way for the Lord. And it was a, it was a difficult place living out in the wilderness as he did. There were very few people there. I can, you know, as I, again, as I pictured in my own mind, I, I wonder if there were people that crossed the Jordan River and, and in the stillness of a day, they could hear a voice somewhere out and they, they couldn't really make out what was being said. But there was somebody who just seemed to be yelling at the top of his voice. And so they went out and looked, and sure enough, that was John's ministry taking place. And the people, the people began to tell other people until it wasn't long that there were many people that came out and listened to John, listened to his call for repentance, listened for how to prepare the way for the Lord. He was a he was a shocking individual, both in his character and his lifestyle and, and even in his message. He's the first prophet in hundreds of years. And there was a real urgency 
to his person and work. Look at verses 8 and 9. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He says the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Such a sense of urgency. Do we have a sense of urgency in our preparation for Christmas, like John called the people to in his generation? John's work was prophetic. Like I say, the first prophet in hundreds of years. But it was prophetic in more than one sense. It was prophetic in the sense that it fulfilled biblical prophecy concerning the one who would be the forerunner of the Christ, the Messiah. And his message was a prophet's message. He preached, thus says the Lord, or thus thus saith the Lord. John did much to clear the way through the wilderness, helping people of his day to prepare to meet the Savior. And John's message is just as relevant today, for I believe that there is much spiritual wilderness that needs yet to be cleared. There is, for example, the wilderness of self-righteous deception. Notice the starting, startling frankness again with which John addressed his hearers. You brood of vipers. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people, right? You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And that's an interesting phrase. The, the, the meaning here in, in the original language to this question, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, is who inspired you with this false hope? Because you see, they did. For the most part, there were a few that were faithful to God. They were, and there always was in the Old Testament time, the remnant that believed and, and lived accordingly. But there was much self-righteous deception. And that wilderness needed to be cleared. Who inspired you with this false hope? Well, they could have pointed to the rabbis and the Pharisees. But the fact of the matter is that those who taught and those who listened to the teachers were in fact lost. They exhibited no fruit of true repentance. Yet they had a brazen assurance of salvation based on their lineage. They had the right blood flowing through their veins. That's how deluded it got. In John's day, the most spiritually deluded individuals were the actively religious, orthodox Jews, God's chosen people. But they saw themselves as chosen in a way that God never meant for them to recognize their chosenness, if you will. And in our day, I believe it's true again that the most spiritually deluded individuals are active members of organized congregations. And not just in cults, not just in liberal churches, but even in conservative Bible-believing and teaching churches like this one. There are those, and maybe you're one, I don't know, who have deluded themselves into thinking that because I'm a member here, I'm good to go. I believe that those who are furthest from 
removed from God are often those who are closest to the truth, who hear it proclaimed Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they somehow delude themselves into believing that either formal membership in a conservative congregation or the mere hearing of the message is enough to assure them of a place in heaven for eternity. And yet what John points out to them, the real need here is true repentance. They need to bear that fruit of repentance. Repentance literally means to be changed or turned around. Spiritually, spiritually, excuse me, it, it refers to a change of heart that leads to a change in habits. Where they were once going their way, they are turned in their hearts and now begin to go God's way. And it's important for them. It is essential for those whose hearts have been turned to follow Him and to bear the fruits of repentance each and every day. I have, a, I have an axe at home. It's pointed on one side of the axe head. It's flat on the other side. I suppose I could decide to go out and split some wood and use the flat side of the axe, but what a stupid thing to do. I remember an old guy out in the farm. He was chopping wood, and boy, he was good at it. And, and somebody was driving by and he sat and he stopped and he got out and he went out to make a little conversation with the man and he says, wow, you are really good at chopping wood. And he says, well, it's my great, great, great grandfather's axe. I think that's why I do so well. Your great, great, great grandfather's axe? That's, how can that, how can that be? I mean, your great, great, great grandfather's axe? And the man says, well, it's had three new heads and five new handles, but it's my great-great-great-grandfather's axe. Okay. And I'm Vanna White. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Who really laughed loud there? I, I didn't think I was that ugly, but, oh. <laughs> but I ask you this morning, how is it for you? As we're getting closer and closer to Christmas, on whom or on what is your assurance based? Has the Word of God been an axe in your heart, clearing the way through the wilderness of any religious self-deception and making room in your heart to truly receive the Savior? Has repentance and faith worked in your hearts made a practical difference in your life, bringing forth the fruits, for example, of the Spirit. God doesn't just, you know, call us to repentance and have us turn and then be empty, but He begins a good work in us, and He promises to complete it until the day Jesus comes again. He'll be active in your life and mine, and He would produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, and I'll quit because I'll lose track somewhere. Secondly, there's a there's another kind of wilderness. It's it's the wait it's the wilderness of, of hatred, hostility toward Jesus. John says, Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. 
The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. What a statement to make. It's like John out there in the wilderness is talking about construction of a super highway, if you will, where the high hills are brought low, where the low spots are filled up, where it becomes level and straight. The crooked paths are made straight. And people can travel on that road, traveling on their way to what John Bunyan calls the celestial city, our home in heaven. In his day, John met with some mountainous obstacles to his ministry. He encountered towering enemies of God, men of means, men vested with the highest material, political, and religious powers of their day, people like Tiberius Caesar, the Roman emperor, or Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, or King Herod, or Annas and Caiaphas or the Pharisees and Sadducees who held their heads so high and fooled so many of the people of Israel. The sad fact is these men sought their way first. They had no time for God, and they callously rejected his call, even those who claimed to be holy themselves. Friend, don't let that be you. There is again here the the wilderness of despair. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked paths shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. Not only did John encounter those whose haughtiness stood as high mountains in his ways, but he met those in the valley of despair, those with no hope, those who thought they had been forgotten by God. They needed to be lifted out of that pit of despair, if you will. The valley filled in for them. Amy Grant sings a song on one of her albums. Uh, You've got to remember you're not alone in this world. Anybody know that song? It's been a long time since I've heard her sing it. it. It is true. You've got to remember you're not alone in this world. It is Emmanuel. It is God who has come to us. And even though physically he's not here, he is just as present today, living in the hearts of those who believe. Living in the hearts of those whose hearts have been turned and who follow in the way of God. God has not forgotten you. Jesus the Savior is Emmanuel, God with us. What a thought. God with us. And it's a fact. You know, there's wilderness even in the hearts of Christians, of believers. Even in the hearts where Christ dwells by faith, there's much wilderness that still needs to be cleared. That's why as we go through each year, we have an Advent season. It's a time of preparation. It's a time when we are called to God. It's a time when he would continue to do that work in us that only he can do. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads become straight and the rough ways smooth. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be honest, 
it's easy to get off the straight and narrow and onto the crooked path. It's easy to do and to do so without even thinking that you're going the wrong way. But God would call us back. Martin Luther, in the first of his 95 theses posted on the door of the Wittenberg Chapel, wrote, Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, in saying, Repent ye, intended that the whole life of the believer should be repentance. And later on he spoke and wrote much about daily repentance and faith as being the marks of the believer. James in his epistle writes, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Stay on the path. The path that God is filling in for you. The path that God would bring you straight to Him. Gospel-induced, grace-motivated, Spirit-empowered. God loves you just the way you are, but He's also He He has the desire desire and the power to change you, and that too is part of His plan that we might grow, that we might experience that 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 thing which is is called sanctification by our theologians. Literally, it is growing in Christ likeness to grow so that we might more clearly reflect. His presence in us. And you never have to be more than what you are, but by God's grace, you should never be less than what He's making you either. And He can produce the fruits in keeping with repentance, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen to how Paul ends this passage on the fruit of the Spirit. He says, against such things, there is no law. Do we need more hate in the world? Or would it be better if there were more love in the world? Would it be better to have more impatience in the world and less willingness to stand by people as they go through difficulties? Or would we be better off in this world by people who show patience and kindness and faithfulness and self-control? We need the work of God in our lives that we might reflect His presence to those around us and that we might, during this Advent season, show that God does have the power to clear a way through the wilderness in our hearts and to make known to the world around us presence of the Savior, to show in whose heart he really dwells, in all who trust him. And may he continue to do his work, straightening our crooked roads, smoothing our rough ways, and producing the fruit of true repentance, the fruit of his Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word again to us today. I thank you that You gave John a a real sense of urgency to do the work of the forerunner. Not because he had so little time, but because the people needed to hear it so badly. And Lord, may we not in in, in any haughty way um, delude ourselves 
into thinking that the work of your spirit leading us to daily repentance and faith is not important. It's essential. And convince us in that way this, this Christmas season, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.